And now, Beatlemania. So my guest today, Clark Gregg, of course, from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I also like to remember you as uh, New Adventures of the Old Christine. Yes. I love that show. Richard Campbell. I love, I love that show. Um, yes, podcasts now, unbeknownst to many of us who wanted to do these, so there wasn't a camera, I have, now I'll have cameras. I think it defeats the purpose of why we're here. So is it released as a video podcast? Yes. And it's weird because for the same reason I would love to do radio because there is no camera, now every radio show is on television. Why? I don't know. I go for sometimes I have a kind of, you know, what's meant to be an audio interview and all Thank of a sudden you. they set up a little flip throw you off. Um, no, there's a part of me that goes, oh, my God, where's my makeup? And I don't <laughs> I don't, like, what's what's the difference? I should probably worry about that more. No, often. you don't. Um, no, because I have done that where you show up for an interview and then a camera shows up. and You're like, oh, oh, well, well, that's going to show up somewhere, but I can't do anything about it. Yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. These these characters I always have wanted to ask someone who's actually in these types of shows and the movies and all the Marvel and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. As an actor, where do you put that as far as like, I'd like to do a role in one of those things before it's all said and done? Um, you know, dep- generationally, there was, you know, for the most part, there was a couple of great ones. There was the Batman movies with Jack Nicholson and Michael Keaton, and there was Chris Reeves' uh, amazing Superman stuff. But they're just uh, it was uh, they were cheesy a little yeah especially the tv shazam and stuff like that and and then you know they made spider-man and and then uh and that started to really kind of up the game a little bit and i can't remember exactly the order but then marvel took over their own <laughs> films you know they made they hired john favreau and they made iron man yeah and as someone who read some comics when i was a kid and loved iron man in particular I saw the cast they were putting together with Gwyneth and Jeff Bridges and Robert Downey. And all of a sudden, it was a whole new ball game. And the writing was at a different kind of level. And and this is kind of a really important component of it. The visual effects had changed so that you could kind of believe what you were looking at. And suddenly, it wasn't something where you were going to have to kind of, I don't know, do anything too cheesy, right? If I'm really blunt, you get you get to really play interesting characters that they were really writing. And if you grew up with Marvel comics, a lot of what they were exploring was kind of social issues through this stuff, the concept of good and evil, the way that people who had too much power, even in service of good, always got somewhat morally corrupted, right? And uh, and that world be, was was one that was birthed seven or eight years ago and suddenly everybody wanted to be part of it and the actors you would show up and work with were of the highest caliber and I was lucky enough to get called up and do a very small role of this nondescript agent who was chasing Tony Stark around (laughs) in that movie and then something about it clicked and because they were very kind of limber and evolving stuff Marvel said we're going to make you this guy who represents S.H.I.E.L.D. and I remembered S.H.I.E.L.D. from the comics and it's the super secret organization primarily of humans, very skilled humans who kind of protect the world from the secret stuff they don't know about until the Avengers comes along and mm-hmm. all of a sudden the secret's out. And it's been a really fun thing to be on the front row of. And then after I, my character was died tragically right. so in that the was Avengers. Like a, that was a big thing. It was a big the... thing. It was hilarious in that they had kept going, listen, you're in this, you're in this <laughs> next movie too. And you know what? Actually, you're going to have a big part in Thor. And, and then Joss Whedon came up to me at Comic-Con and said – I, I, um, I'm going to really use you a lot in the Avengers. Is that cool? And I was like, oh, yeah, it's very, very cool. I mean, is that like, was I'm that a, a real question? Like, no, well, I, was, he was, I prefer you didn't. 
It was better than that. It was the first time I'd actually been on the panel at yeah. Comic-Con for Thor. And he came up to me and said, oh, listen, the big surprise Marvel's doing is we're going to introduce the cast of the Avengers. Um, you know, Mark Ruffalo and Jeremy Renner and Scarlett and everybody. And we want you to be part of that. And I was enough of a nerd that I just nearly <laughs> – I, th- I was thought it maybe it was the Make a Wish Foundation. And <laughs> You're looking around. They were just. And I had a couple of hours, and, and my wife knew this is how I wanted to go out. Um, and uh, and then I got this other call saying from Marvel saying, "Listen, we're going to send you the script today." And you know, Joss wasn't kidding. You have a really you know important role in this. And I was like, "This is amazing." And uh, they said, "Yeah, what happens to you is what brings the Avengers together." And that's when I went, oh, oh it's my no. last Marvel movie. <laughs> but what Josh wrote was so brilliant, and it was such a great heroic death scene. And I was thrilled. I didn't, you know, you know, better than five more movies bringing people Jamba Juice, you know, like. But you had no idea at this point, in the movie point, you had no idea about this show? Or did you know? No, they that, didn't have like, any how, idea. Which is crazy to me that they sort of. He was like, dead. Oh, it was yeah, important to Josh that he was really dead. And. And to everyone, you know, it's like those movies don't work unless there is some cost. So there was a very deep discussion (laughs) about they wanted to bring him back. The fans – it was weird actually. It was Twitter and I had gotten Uh, on Twitter when my wife was on Dancing with the Stars because she wanted to win. Absolutely. It's a competitive household we live in. (laughs) And and the fans – there was a lot of fans who just – he was them. He was the person with no powers who would geek out over Captain America and they just didn't like – some of them really weren't happy with it. And so they started a movement, Hashtag Colson Lives. We were doing hashtags, uh, hashtags just half an hour ago. I was saying – Last night a hashtag saved my life. Oh my and, um, <laughs> and, and so they decided let's do this. Let's, we wanted to move into TV. This is something we could do. And then Joss and I had a conversation. He said, I want to do this. I want to bring you back. I don't want it to undermine what happened in the Avengers, and uh, hmm. and so there was a th- the the opening of the show was Coulson thinks he had a near miss and had this recovery, and it all turned the whole of season one turned out he, it wasn't any of it true that he actually had been fully dead, and they used very sketchy alien technology that was excruciatingly painful to bring him back from the dead, and uh, and he wasn't quite the same, right. And uh, that was exciting to me, the idea that there was a terrible cost and that he's kind of this person living between two worlds. Right, that he didn't just come up back again. Like, it wasn't so easy. No. Yeah. No, it had been a horrible, horrible thing that he had been lied to about. And they used technology that, you know, that he – one of the great reveals in season one was that somebody had known about this project and had said that it should be shut down because everyone they tried it on had gone psychotic. Oh, great. And the, when he finally gets through all the secrets, it turns out that it was he himself, Coulson, who'd been in charge of it and had been adamant that no one should ever be brought back this way. And uh, it's just kind of and fun. There it is. It's cool. It's cool How stuff. How did the audience receive it? Because I, they are pa- – I mean as a sports person, we know these people are very passionate. Fans are passionate. But the comic book very world similar, is, Very is, similar kinds of fans. Very involved. Can tell you all the stats. And when you go to Comic-Con, it's not – I'm sure dissimilar than going to the ESPYs. What is Comic-Con? I've never been. And I've seen Comic-Con grow from what I thought was just sort of a convention for comic books into an event that seemingly every single movie it goes to, whether it has that kind of feel to it or not. Has it just – is it just the biggest thing? It's grown. It's like a lot – like comic books. It's kind of the day of the nerd. I like that In a lot of ways. It's a lot of the stuff that we grew up reading and watching, you know – probably courtesy of Marvel to a certain extent and 
I don't know. Maybe the the birth of technology. Everyone's gotten a little nerdier with their iPhones and their computers. Total. And, uh, you know, sci-fi's become a little bit more like life. Anything that's kind of sci-fi or comics related. I was more into sci-fi even than comics. That has a place at Comic-Con. And there's a lot of that stuff on TV. And again, go back to the technology. Mm-hmm. Our show wouldn't exist if the visual effects weren't something that they could do as nimbly and as quickly as they can do now. The movies wouldn't work if you couldn't somehow make Mark Ruffalo's amazing performance suddenly appear yeah. in a very believable Hulk. Are you still surprised sometimes by the effect? I mean, I'm just a, I'm a civilian, so all the effects are like, I think back to E.T. and how much what that looks like now compared to what we watch. Do you still get impressed by that? I just saw Avengers Age of Ultron because it ties into our show. And even since the first Avengers that I was in, I feel like they have evolved exponentially. Just the fluidity of movement. And as actors, we watch this very carefully because you're like, oh, they're only going to need us for about eight or or nine more years. And then you're just going to program. I don't believe that. I believe that the soul really – and they do. It's funny. They come to you at a certain point and they go, we're going to do a digital rendering of you today oh for this God. scene where – in fact, there was a scene where Mike Coulson's flying car actually falls out of a plane and isn't quite working in it. It comes to rest right in front of the Staples Center when he finally gets the jets going again. But they had to do you know, 9,000 pictures of me over the course of two hours from every angle to create a digital me that they could put in this car so that I wouldn't have to actually – That's a little creepy. It is. It's out there now. Yeah. Like there's like a hologram of you walking around the earth. It's nice. Maybe it means I can keep working after. (laughs) I mean, or you can double book yourself. Yeah. And like just do that. Listen, I'm not free, but for (laughs) almost the same price, just a little bit less, you can get my digital double. It would be amazing. And he's willing to do stuff that I would never do. (laughs) I feel like is I feel like if Joss Whedon anoints you into that family that it's just a, in my mind it's like it's now forever like you guys have barbecues everybody hangs out you know it is till you get it is till you get iced <laughs> you know we, it's the same on our show we have people we really love and right. all of a sudden there's the producers come in and there's red pages at the table read and everyone is sobbing at the end of it because someone we love is gone from That's our what, team it's red pages like there was a big reveal in season one the show got off to a little bit of a rocky start because uh, the big kind of plot of season one couldn't be revealed until Captain America the Winter Soldier came out because we were agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and that movie in that movie S.H.I.E.L.D. turned out to be riddled with traitors from the neo-Nazi group Hydra right and uh, and that we couldn't talk about it because it would spoil the movie and uh, and so all of a sudden one day we get red pages that one of the key members of the team was a murderous Hydra agent and that this person wasn't this other person wasn't going to survive and there's some stuff coming up with our two-hour season finale where some people got red pages. Every time the producers come and talk to me, I get a little nervous. Yeah, I would too. I've already had it once, which kind of makes you feel like, how many times can they kill you? I know. Off? I was going to say, does it make you feel better or worse that you've already had it once? Like, oh, they can't do it again. A little safer. Yeah, a little bit. But not, no one's safe. Well, Marvel's the- like Game of Thrones. I mean, that's what <laughs> makes it great, though. Never fall in love with anyone too much. Yeah. You will get your heart broken. It's not called Colson Show. You know, they <laughs> called it Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., meaning they can really slip different people in there. I think the logistics of having to keep track of the movies when they're coming out, that storyline, and then sort of keep the TV version of everything in line, that has to be a logistical sort of nightmare. It is. It's rough for the writers. They yeah. have to coordinate all that. There are kind of geniuses at Marvel who figure out what they can and can't have. 
there's ways that they just, you know, there's people who see Ultron who watch the season of our show. There's a couple of questions in Ultron. Where the hell did that come from? Who just saved their ass here? Right. That tie in nicely to our show where you go, wow, what's going on in our show is having an impact in this film and vice versa. That to me is someone, you know, who's interested in stories. That's just cool. It's it's one giant story. They just, before Ultron, as they did before some of the other movies, they just did a 48-hour marathon of all the movies in sequence. Yep. So you don't get lost. Yeah. Does anyone at Marvel wear a suit? I feel like everyone has tennis shoes and T-shirts. I think you're right. For the most part, the only time I ever see any any Marvel bigwigs in suits is at the premieres. Okay. And that, yeah, we don't count that. No. That's like a real thing. Is this the, what's the most fun you've ever had on a job? Wow, that's a really good question. Let me think about that. There was a scene – I have a basketball fan. There was a scene in a movie I did called In Good Company with Dennis Quaid and Topher Grace and Scarlett yep. uh, when she was quite young uh, where it was, there was a corporate basketball game and it gave me an excuse to hire a guy. In <laughs> fact, an amazing guy. I would played soccer in college and uh, – you like how I'm bringing this around to sports? I, no, I like it. Um, I played soccer in college and I'd grown up loving basketball. My yeah. family moved around a lot. My dad taught at Duke mm. and I went to Chapel Hill High School. He so taught- I s- a religion, right? Yeah, he did. Which is totally interesting. Yeah. Yes. Uh, theology professor. And then you told him you're going to be an actor and it worked out. <laughs> it all worked out. You know, he's a, he's, I was a preacher's kid, so Perfect. the fact that he wasn't having to visit me in prison, I think, <laughs> made him felt like he built, beat the curve. So I loved hoops, and I was not great at it, but, uh, but I also don't like jogging. Mm. And I was kind of doing that thing. I had a young kid, and I was like, I'm just, if I have to jog one more time, I, I got nothing. I just stop. And I used the excuse of this TV show to hire this guy that a friend of mine who ran the Entertainment League knew about, this guy named Rex Kalamian, who's now one of the main assistant coaches of the Oklahoma City Thunder. So I had a good pedigree, a great shooting coach. And he, you know, he got me going. And I started playing. I found a game early in the morning at the Y, and I've been playing like three, four days a week with the same guys for like 11 years now. Well, that's like, that's pretty good. I play a lot. Doesn't mean I'm good, but I play a lot. No, but that's, I, you know... that's the thing. Like, I've realized people would rather – my boyfriend actually does the same thing. He would rather play basketball than go do, like, a running or anything like that. I cannot make myself keep doing it. It's like, this isn't fun. And no. Sometimes I've had a good run. I right. know. You and get you the get right music place. going. You go, okay, this is a great thing. Agreed. But the level to which I will hustle or run to score, to yeah. get open to shoot a three, whether it goes in or not, is so far – <laughs> in excess of anything I'll do because, like, you know, oh, there's three more blocks to go. And you're competing against – it's right there. They're right oh there. Oh, my God. Right. I'm so happy. I hit a game-winning shot. I make a <laughs> left-handed layup. That's the level I'm at. <laughs> and I'm like – I'm, I'm kind of good all weekend. Who are these guys? Are they are they in the same business? Are they sort of all no, over the place? No, there's, there's, there's a crazy uh, – Sorry, Phil. There's a crazy, <laughs> crazy guy who was on Survivor who walked around in pink underwear a That's lot. That's perfect. Uh, there's a philosophy professor. There's a guy who works as a kind of junior sports agent Amazing. for people like Zach Randolph, and he's a big Lakers fan. There's a very nasty text thread between the Lakers and Clippers fans in that game right now. <laughs> so good. There's some young guys, a young rapper guy, the amazing Juan White. Juan, your album's really good. <laughs> um, Have you noticed, because this is what I've noticed at the gym, that the passion and the the ability to get angry quickly is very much a part of that basketball thing that's going on at the gym. Because I've seen these guys, I'm like, you guys are not getting paid for this. But people will get so mad about fouls being called, not being called. That's a deep thing. That's a deep It's topic. a lot. I know. I certainly found people who I felt scared of or bullied by. <laughs> and I finally realized 
oh my God, I'm reacting to that by becoming just like them. Yep. A call I don't even care that much about. I know this guy's full of it, and I just refuse to feel like he gets to win. So now I'm thre- now I'm fronting off with this guy, and and what am I what? doing? What am I doing? <laughs> what <is this? laughs> I'm going to get into it. I'm going to fight him, and like he's going to hit me. And I had to kind of go, wow. I, it was really good for me, actually. Yeah. I had to kind of start figuring out what I really was willing to kind of get angry about, and it was. I think it was good in the long run. It's much harder to get first people to draw me into this stuff. That's. I mean, I have noticed that, and I just I love competition, and I love seeing it in people, but it's a whole new level. It really brings out who you are. Yeah, apparently. You know, it used to bring out a side of me I didn't like too much. And I said, you know what? There's some work that needs to be done here. You are a Clippers fan. So first of all, you know, good job beating the Spurs, I guess. I'm sorry. I got to tell you, I love the Spurs so much. And I actually, you know, I wouldn't have loved it as much if they'd gotten beaten. But to to watch the connection between Blake... And his mm. obvious respect for the amazing Tim Duncan, an ACC player who right. I watched play in college. Um, and to watch the way that they played so tough with each other, but it never crossed over into some of the ugliness that has often marred their series with like Oklahoma. Or- yeah. it's. I've noticed this and it's it, – trust me, it hurts me to even admit any of this. But I've noticed Blake, especially in this series, just sort of – looks like he's just learning. Like he's learning a lot and he's learning it fast and it's kind of awesome to watch. It's one of my favorite things. It was one of the great things about watching Jordan play in the last couple of years or even in the later years before he went to play baseball. He had to find other ways. Yeah. He had – and Blake had to do that his second or third year because, you know, he wasn't – he wasn't a huge big man. He was kind of in the, he was a big power forward, but he, you know, he couldn't just back everyone down. So all of a sudden he's got this shot from the top of the key that he seems to be able to hit at will. He's got so many different no. tools. And also it was it was rough to watch their game five lost against the Spurs because the refs got under their skin. I didn't yeah. like those calls, but guess what? You cannot start to whine like that and to see them turn it around and stop that cold. I feel like as Clippers fans, you guys have it's been rough. I mean, you know, you've had some teases with the playoffs. How This year feels a little different, but I think also with having the Warriors be the, the kind of team they've been all year, maybe it's sort of that's that daunting cloud. Although, so far in the series, I, I don't know what's happening. Do you feel differently with this team this year than you have in a couple years past? Well, I think Bill Simmons, who I just was lucky enough to meet, uh, uh, I didn't geek out and tell him that I follow him on Twitter, but... <laughs> One of the things that he said the other day was, you know, if the Clippers lose this game, it was going to mean they were going to be kind of done in five or done in six. Hmm. It was potentially going to be done in six. Then he compared them to a hockey team that I don't know anything about. But (laughs) one of those teams that's good during the regular season and makes a quick exit out of the playoffs every year. And I thought, he's right. That's crazy. It's a big, big deal. And it was a big deal that they turned that series around. And the game seven that I took my wife and daughter to was one of the great games I've ever seen. It's a big moment for them. You know, it's not easy to do that. The pros who you hear talking about it talk all the time about it's one thing to win in the regular season. And there's a whole different level of and magic talks about it a lot too. uh, mental toughness. Well, and to knock off the defending champs. Who um, play such beautiful basketball. That series, I feel as fans, and I'm hoping the rest of these series go really well and they're fun to watch, but 
yes, I have a stake in that series, but it was just so fun to watch. Even being at, at Staples Center amongst the enemy, I just it was an amazing atmosphere, yeah. and I don't know that we're going to get any more of that. You know, there's always a lot of Spurs fans more at than those ever. Games. Yeah. I've never seen that in the you know I became a big Spurs fan probably when I was around 13. Yeah. Um, I've Were never you from San Antonio. Or just... Yeah, I'm from a small town outside, yeah. and you know I covered NBA for a few years. I've never seen Spurs jerseys in opposing arenas. It's just that wasn't a thing. And I remember going to my first Clippers game during the regular season, and I was like, "What is happening here?" I feel like anybody who knows anything about basketball, you got to have a certain amount of respect for the passing and the way they play it's the beautiful. game. Yeah. yeah. Popovich seems like the least friendly person in the world, <laughs> and you gotta love him. I know it's it's just his thing. Ben Lyons just they were Ben Lyons and um, Michael Thompson were just talking to me about different people in the NBA who might be Avengers, and, oh, and Michael so was saying that uh, he felt like this woman whose name I don't know, who's part of the NBA management, should be. Uh, oh, the the um, oh wait, the, the with the players that group. Yes, the union. Or yes, whatever yes, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah. That she should be kind of Black Widow, and I was saying. What about this woman who's on the coaching staff? Becky Hammond. Yes, exactly. Yep. Exactly. I, you look her at the bench surrounded by guys. And she just of, looks co- like she's, she's doing so it. cool. She's I was sitting right it. near her the other night and I was going, okay, she's. she's I caught badass. myself doing the same thing. I was sort of like, what her life must be like. Like she has to dress separately and sort of do, but it's she's there and she, nobody seems to. It's just happened. And I love that the Spurs were the first ones to do it that way. It's been kind of interesting. That's another because you know Pop. She just she's not getting anywhere near that unless she's got serious exactly. depth to her game. Yeah, because he does not care. No. If did you have a backup plan to acting if it didn't work? Um, that's a really. By good the way, one. I'm really good at segues. Just so you know, that was a great one. <laughs> um. I mean, yeah, I still think about it a lot. Like, okay, what am I going to do if this goes south <laughs> oh, next God. week? Every time I go to a kid's birthday party and I see some poor guy, you know, dressed up as Bozo <sighs> the Clown, I'm like, two bad breaks. That's it. And that's me passing out the licorice. It's very stressful, your world. Very stressful. Everybody's. I feel like everybody's world is stressful. It's weird. I mean, probably, but I, I – it just seems so difficult until you get, like, a couple of those good jobs where you're like, all right, I'm here. I have come in. But do you ever feel secure – I never feel secure. I was I really struggled for a lot of years to kind of really, I don't know, become well known. I always kind of worked a little bit, but I worked more in kind of theater and independent films once in a while. I, I get it got so bad that I was really working mostly as a screenwriter for about six or seven years. Yeah. And every once in a while, I'd get I'd still try to get acting jobs. And uh, you know, I think it's funny. I was actually I, when I was starting to get a lot of work as a screenwriter. It kind of changed the ways I would go into auditions because I'm like, all right, I'm going to keep doing this, but it's you know they just want none of me, <laughs> and um, and I think that not caring quite as much suddenly helped me get somewhere. I bet. And suddenly I started booking stuff. You can and sense it, like you're not desperate. No. Yeah. Please, no. I'm making really nice money. They right can in feel that place. though. I guess, and uh, and I, I so screenwriting, I would have just kind of kept doing hmm. that, and at a certain point, I was really kind of so then they, they I got on a sitcom. The New Adventures of Old Christine, which Woo-hoo! Ray Louis Dreyfus, which I've heard you've seen once or twice, which I actually thought was a really funny show. I thought it was very funny. That CBS didn't seem to really kind of know what to do with. But I, I got to you. work and learn from Julia, who's incredible, and Veep is incredible, and Hamish Linklater and Wanda Sykes later was on it. And great, really just yeah. everyone in that cast was superb, and Carrie Leiser, the showrunner, wrote really funny stuff. And uh, it was the world's greatest job because I had a two-year-old, and I would drop her off at school. And we'd go work for four or five hours because it was live audience, That's which is great. the best best job in Hollywood. You know, one night a week you shoot in front of an audience, and the rest of the time you're home. You're done by two. 
That's I didn't realize that that wow. Why don't they do more of those? It's funny. It's got a feel that people feel like is yesterday. It's not like I The Office. It, We've all had ones we love. Most people say if a great one and if a great live audience show comes along, it'll bring it back. They don't do them much without laugh tracks. Yeah, I think and that's that what's feels doing old. Mm-hmm. The single camera thing is much more what people do now. If your daughter has she said anything like that she would like to, to stay in this world and do the acting? Yes, absolutely. She, her mom is Jennifer Grey from Dirty Dancing, oh. and so she's got the double parent thing. She's doing really great in school. She's really smart. She goes to a cool girl's school called Archer, and it's been really fun to watch her kind of exceed academically. I like that. And she loves a thing about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. that I love, which is there's these young female characters who are computer hackers and scientists who also occasionally go out on very you know, <laughs> physically demanding special ops missions. Um, you know, when I asked her what she wants to do this summer acting camp, was it? I gave her a tiny cameo in a movie I wrote and directed called Trust Me that was out. And she really loved it, even though it was a really long day. Most people want to do it yeah, for one day. And then they come no. out and they're like 14 hours in. They're going, no, I want to watch movies. Yeah, this is horrible. I don't want to be in it. <laughs> oh, and she was like, all right, I'm good with that. Oh, that's interesting. No, she loved it. Um, I know we're running out of time. I had to ask you this because you did mention your wife, which obviously like I love, love Dirty Dancing. Did you do that move when you guys were dating? The um, no, I, that's a, funny. That, that move, the the lift, they call the, it, the, the famous lift. lift. Yes, um, <laughs> um, that is a very much a trust exercise because I'm not so hundred. My wife's tiny, but I'm not sure I could even do it to have jump and then <laughs> lift straight up. Would, I would have. She would have fallen on top of me, which I guess that could have been used to my advantage. But <laughs> to this day, still, we have never done that lift. Wow. I'm a little bit shocked by that. You know, people find this surprising, but we don't end, end every sentence with nobody puts baby in a corner. What? You know what I, mean? <laughs> I, I, I caught up to that movie late, so I was much more like, oh, my God, I'm on a date with Ferris Bueller's sister. I mean, it's got to be the downside of when you're a part of iconic things that all of a sudden, like, the rest of us assume, oh, God, they must wake up talking about it. I mean, that's the only way they could survive, right? That's all we do. <laughs> that's um, all we do. That's <laughs> all we do. There, there are The great thing about Marvel fans is that a lot of them are really artistic, and there is a fantastic piece of artwork that oh someone did which is Agent Coulson lifting baby into the air. That's beautiful. That's as close as I will probably ever come. It's That's good. a beautiful thing. Yeah. I'm going to wish you luck to your Clippers. It Thank hurts you. me to do that. Usually I wouldn't do that. Thank but you. It that would be means a lot coming from a Spurs fan. Well, yeah, and it would make this town they seem to be getting in on it. So, Thank you so much. My pleasure. Pleasure talking the to lift. you. The lift. The lift. Love it. But I will do it with you right and now. Oh God. <laughs> I think I could do it with you actually. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Grantland. To hear more Grantland shows in your earballs, subscribe to Grantland Sports and Grantland Pop Culture on iTunes. Or go to grantland.com and click on podcasts.